Third group, sometimes there are weak or wrong arguments. So there are religious teachings, they're being presented, but the argument made for them is completely wrong. And so people would be willing maybe to believe in that thing or accept it if they heard a proper argument for it. But the argument that's being presented for it is wrong or very weak. And so people reject it. They say, if you had presented a good argument, I would have accepted that. But your argument is weak. Therefore, that whole teaching is now nothing I will ever consider again. And it doesn't matter that someone else may come. You know what? I know all about it. I've heard the arguments for it because they think it's that weak argument that they once heard. So it's rejected. The problem of evil in the world. That's another source of issues under the intellectual heading. You look at things, you don't know. Again, as we said, intellectual, meaning there's either lack of understanding or misunderstanding or lack of knowledge. So you look at things and you say, there cannot be a God to this world. I cannot worship a God that creates a world with these kinds of evil in it. This world is imperfect. This world has evils. I cannot worship this kind of God. There cannot even be a God to this world. If there would be a God to this world, we wouldn't have this type of evil. Another group of issues. And inshallah, we're going to answer those. Everything related to science. So people looking, let's say, at what the Big Bang is and how everything came together from that moment on. People studying the theory of evolution. Recently, I've seen a lot of things and people really pushing because there's a lot of exploration of space. What if, what if aliens were discovered? Will you still believe in God? Okay, see? It's because it comes from a misconception. What kind of God do you think I believe in that if we discovered aliens, he no longer exists? Right? But this is where the, the moment you see the question, you have to ask this. What kind of God do you think it is? That I, you, think, you would think that I can't believe in that God anymore. Is there a God that, let's say, lives on earth? And, but this comes to, for instance, how the church viewed the world. And everything is created for human beings. And human beings are the center of the universe. And, and, and. And so as science discovers things that we're not at the center of the universe, that we're nothing, we're insignificant, that there's a whole lot. So, of course, if we discover other worlds, what if? If we discover those worlds, what if they don't believe in the same God you believe in? What if they're a lot more advanced than we are and they don't believe in your God? Right? So all of these are, their fallacies. But you have to dig into the argument. Again, that's why we're saying this is a group of intellectual issues with belief in God. The religious teachings themselves. Some people have issues with religious teachings. And sometimes you're supposed to accept the religious teaching. And we talked about that. This is where you have to draw the line between what I accept and what I reject. We have to agree, is this a religious teaching? Is this something that God wants me to do or not? If I know that this is what God wants me to do, then it stops here. I cannot have an opinion about it. If I've actually reached that conclusion, that I know that this is a valid religious teaching, 
I accept it. I, I know 100% the hijab is obligatory. That's not the issue. The issue is I disagree with it. And because of that, I'm going to reject religion. Because I personally disagree with some of the religious teachings. Finally, wrong understanding. Sometimes you have a bit of truth and a bit of false in the way you understand religion. Okay? And because of these wrong understandings, it's a silly example, but I think we probably all have those in our lives. We probably all have these kinds of misunderstandings. And so this is the category of issues that are, we can call them intellectual issues. The others I think we can go through a lot faster. And we don't need a lot of explanation. They're kind of self-evident explanatory. One of them is, and those three can go together or they can be separate. One of them is the inferiority complex. And especially when it's in comparison. So right now, for instance, you look at the rest of the world. You're, let's say, a teenager in high school or university in the Middle East. And you look at the rest of the world from your own little perspective. And you see, oh, my country is backwards. It's behind all the technological progress and maturity and development and economic and political stability is all happening elsewhere in the Western world, not in our religious Islamic world and societies. We're always going to be behind. We're always inferior. This is the inferiority complex. So it doesn't matter that you come and you present something to me. I'm starting out with an issue internal to me that may or may not come up when we're talking and debating philosophically. But I'm stuck at this point, which is I am inferior. And most likely my inferior, inferiority is because of this. And for me to be better, to be like those that I'm comparing myself to and I consider superior, what I have to do is to be like them. And they're not religious. Religion didn't do anything for them. In fact, they got rid of religion. They're trying to clean their societies from religion as much as possible. So this is what I have to do. Okay, so there's an inferiority complex. Second issue with that, <clears throat> peer pressure or social pressure. Peer pressure are the people really close to you. You have friends, the circle of people, human beings that interact closely with you. They make fun of you or they're just different. They may not. They may respect you and respect that you're different from them. No issue. But you feel awkward. You feel different. You're not confident to be different around them. And eventually with time, this leads to, I don't care what's right and wrong. I don't care about what's truth. And if it's a valid argument, valid point, valid idea or not, who cares? I just want to fit in. I just want to be like them. I don't want to stand out. Okay? That's another issue. The last one is just perception and social image. And there are a lot of people who think that the moment someone has any type of religious belief, people who, lead, who believe in religion and God and religious teachings, people who are actually practicing their religion, they cannot really be serious about this. No one who's really objective, no one who's really 
analytical and smart and educated and illuminated and, and, and all these nice, big, complimenting words cannot really believe in those teachings in their religion. And there are a lot of people who think this way. So don't come and present to me arguments that may lead to someone believing in those things that are legends and myths and not really for worthy of people who are educated living in the times we're living in, knowing what we know. So this is these are basically hiccups. There's a barrier to, regardless of what you present, I've already decided that those kinds of people and me, we don't go together. I cannot sink to the level of the people who believe in those things. That's not for me. So this is more of the superiority complex or socially. Suddenly you grew up in a certain society, in a certain economic, political, social, cultural class, and now suddenly you're exposed to, let's say, the world of the university. And okay, now I'm an educated person, and when I look around and I see how educated people are, well, obviously I'm not like them. Educated people don't believe in these things. Don't believe in gods and religion and these kinds of things. Okay? So a few quick points about what we're supposed to do with all these issues. Okay, some of them we're going to be talking about in the next lessons. A few of them, I think, a couple of points deserve to be made. Okay, so first of all, personal, psychological, I mean, laziness and discomfort and all of that. I think we spent a lot of time on this. People who understand what it means to... We talked about risk and we talked about the probability and okay so this comes down to the point about education and education is probably going to be the main remedy to all of these all the psychological issues all the personal issues we talked about that you're going to decide whether you're going to limit your freedom or not well it depends there's if you want to consider that as a sacrifice you consider that as a limitation. What's the price? Maybe the price is worth it. Right? And this is if you want to consider that as a true limitation. And maybe it's not even a true limitation. Okay? Secondly, with everything having to do with the social, political, economic issues, the problem here is that people, they look at the social conditions the political conditions, the economic conditions, let's say poverty, let's say political corruption, and they say those conditions are equal to, they don't say they're equal to those people running the show, they say they are equal to religion. They're associating those conditions to religion. When in reality, they should be associating it to those people. And those are just people. People are people. They are fallible. They are corruptible. They're no different than anyone else. You have to apply the same standards you would apply to anyone else. And the counter-argument to this very quickly is that you can go to the other side and say, and here are the countries that were run by atheists, and were they really better? And we can go through the wars, and we can go through the world wars, and we can go and see, okay, no, so it's the same conditions. So why don't we keep religion outside of that and talk about those people? If you have an issue with the conditions, don't blame it on the religion. You can make religion do or say anything. Religion is an 
is that there's a worldview and an ideology, but it takes people to implement it, to op operationalize it. So blame it on the people running the show. Don't blame it on the religion. So this is the this type of education is going to be important for people when you analyze the argument being made to push back and say, are we talking about the people? And to distinguish between the people and the actual religion. And there's an argument that should come with this one always for all of you to always keep in mind. And it can have a, a positive and a negative. But just to always keep in mind. There's a difference between the content, the validity, the content of an argument and the presentation of that argument. Sometimes you have a very weak argument, but you can get through with it and be convincing because you're very forceful and confident in your presentation. Except if you're talking to someone who can dig through that, they're not duped by the appearance of how forceful and strong and expert and professional you are in your delivery. And they go through the content of what you're saying. And sometimes the opposite. Sometimes the, the argument is actually valid. It's a strong argument. But people, because the presentation they saw of it, what they heard of it was very weak, was not very strong, was not very clear. People are going to dismiss the argument because of that. So again, sometimes people are going to dismiss some of the arguments we've already presented here. Sometimes people are going to dismiss them because they've heard it in a weak form. And so they think it's easily, you can easily dismiss it. It's not a strong argument. It doesn't work. It's not convincing to me. Well, actually, give me a chance to present it myself. And let's say if it's weak or strong. Let me put it together in the proper way. Okay, so this is what we mean by the education. And then for the intellectual, I don't think I need to go through them. They're all intellectual. You need time to understand what is materialism. What is the evil in the world issue? If it's religious teachings, which ones are they? Where do they come from? Where is the issue with that, really? If it's a misunderstanding, then we have to rectify it by knowledge. Right? Okay. The next thing, so education, I think, is a very big one. And the education, I think, is also... No one should ever think that there's a, a level that you reach and then you no longer need education. It needs to be continuous, especially if you want to be in this kind of world where you're constantly exposed to questions, things that really push your thinking. You have to find an answer. You should never be in those situations where these issues, because a lot of us, I think we may think, oh, that's it. You know, I know what I need to know. I'm solid in my belief and my solid in my faith. And that's it. I'm good. Actually, you're not. You just haven't been confronted with a set of objections that is shaking your belief yet. And that's just because you haven't been exposed to that yet. But it will come. And when it comes, what do you do? So if you have zero knowledge and zero education, this might be the little blow that is sufficient to make you lose your faith entirely. If you have a lot of education, you can take a lot of these blows. And even if you don't have the answer, you know that you have to go and look for it. You have to read a book and listen to a lecture and ask a question and ask someone else. And this was not convincing. Let me look more until you make up your mind about it. 
and see what the answer is. But this continuous education, this word of continuous is very important. The real world is always coming up with new objections. You can't just, based on things that you heard 10 years ago, or when you were a child and you know things were presented to you in a very simple way, you think that that's enough to get through the, the world just with that. That's not going to work. The second point, and I think we already talked a little bit about it, the distinction between the people and religion. Maybe the thing that I wanted to add now is the mistake that those people are doing when they look at society and the corruption and the famine and the poverty and the issues in society and they blame it on religion, what are they doing? We said they associate the issues, the social issues, with religion. When they should be associating it with the people and leaving religion outside of that. Okay, but this is human nature. Human nature is going to look at the person and associate them with whatever they are. They, they want to associate them with. So why is that important for us? That's important for us because we are in a minority situation. And whether you like it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you think you're signed up for this or not, people are judging your religion based on what you, they see from you. Because you're a minority, you stick out in these societies. People know that you're a Muslim from your name, from little things here and there, the way you look. They can assume what you are. And you're being judged, but you're not being judged personally. Maybe there is a personal side, I don't care about it right now. Your religion is being judged based on how you perform. Your religion is being judged based on what you do. You're corrupt, proof, religion is corrupt. You lied, proof, religious people lie. You cheat, proof. Religious people cheat. What's the difference? And this, I think, is, brings us to another point for all of us. If you go through your life, if you go through your daily life, and when you compare yourself, you compare your life to the life of someone who is not a believer in God, and for some reason you're not able to see a real difference between you and them, you're in trouble. If you think that you are a believer in God, and when you look at your daily life, you say, well, if I wasn't a believer in God, nothing in my day would be different. Nothing in my life would be different, whether I believed in God or not, whether I had religion or not. It wouldn't make any difference. You have to ask yourself some questions. Why is it that there is no difference between me and them? There is something missing. There is something that has gone wrong here. This is not just for you guys. It's for me too. It's supposed to change the way I see the world. It's supposed to change the way I interact with people. If it's not happening, then God is not really present in my life. And there is no difference between me and the person who doesn't believe. So what is this all about? Why am I claiming something that is not really there? And then making sacrifices for nothing. In that case, the Qur'an 
refers to some people and it says, So in this life, you're not getting the world of the person who doesn't have God, so full freedom, you know, quote unquote, full freedom, no issues, because there's no restrictions and there's no God and there's no religion. You're not getting that. And you're not getting the Akhirah because God is not really present in your life. The last point maybe I'll make right now, just for a couple of minutes and I'll stop after this. What we said, let's just link it back to something we've talked about in the past. So let's add it here. Because we talked a little bit about limits, limitations, and people saying that if I believe in God, then there are going to be limits to my freedom. And I can't live the life that I want to live in the way I want to live it. There is something implied here. This is something that has appeared in some of the literature over the past few years. I want you to, to pay attention to this. It won't be long. Very quick. What's implied uh, is that people who have God in their lives have a certain type of discipline. There's a certain moral code by which they live. A certain ethical code by which they live. So what does that imply? That implies that those who don't don't have a moral code and don't have an ethical code. So if you're an atheist, you cannot live a moral life. You cannot live an ethical life if you're not religious. So part of the new atheism is that atheists are coming back, pushing back with actually atheists are as moral and ethical as religious people. So this is the new atheism. And they'll tell you atheists are some of the most generous people. And there are studies that show that now. They give as much, if not more. There's a lot of studies that show that they actually give more to charity than religious people. Atheists. They don't believe in God. And they give more to charity. For instance. That's an example. And there's a lot of these other examples. They respect order. They will not kill. And so on and so forth. So now the push, there is a push in the new atheism in showing that if your argument is that you can only have moral morality or an ethical code or moral code or moral way of living through religion, we're showing you that that's not necessary. You don't need that to live a good life. And recently I read a book, it's called A Very Short Introduction, Atheism, A Very Short Introduction. And you would expect the person to provide Proofs, reasons, arguments for why be an atheist or why not be a theist. But the main point of the book is to show that how do atheists live? And the point is to show that they are ethical. And they are as moral or ethical as other people. This book is called Religion for Atheists. From the table of contents, you can tell what the book is going to be about. So they take... Big ideas in religion. So for instance, community. You get community out of, a sense of community and living with others and feeling for them and helping them. Kindness, education, tenderness, dealing with pessimism, perspective, art, architecture, institutions. These are the themes of the book. And the author is going to go through them and show how you can have all of these without institutional religion. So what has religion done over the centuries? 
How has it used these for its own purposes? Atheists can do the same. Just learn from religious people and do the same. And of course, now is not the time to get into moral theory or moral philosophy and see when an action is performed, is that enough to consider it moral? Or does the moral come from the purpose behind the action? And is it what kind of purpose do you have when there's no God and no afterlife and and what are the purposes? What's the motivation for that action? And there's moral theory can answer some of those questions. That's a whole big topic that we're not going into. The point today, again to to recap, the point was to basically say, given what we have presented until now for the proofs for the existence of God and what kind of God it should be. Someone who understands the logic and who is sincere and who is actually looking for the truth, they should believe in this God. But sometimes people will not. And it's not because the arguments are weak. It's not because there are no arguments or the arguments are not convincing. It's because there are blockages. And those are the big ones that we covered today. So if you're in those situations with others or for yourself, you may want to dig through them when you're discussing with someone because maybe there's no point trying to spend another six months arguing and debating and discussing and giving books and reading books and with someone if they've already decided because of any of these reasons or all of them because sometimes they combine. Sometimes you have someone, as we gave one example, and we can give others, someone who goes through difficult circumstances. They grew up in a bad society, and they are confronted with things that they consider evil in the world. Now you have all of the factors beautifully combined into a soup. All the ingredients are there for them to have all the barriers. No matter what you bring, philosophically, rationally, logically, they've already decided you know what, with everything I've gone through in my life, with what I've seen, the wars I've seen, the corruption, the issues politically, the famines, the disease, whatever it is, my family, my friends, I will never believe. It's good to know that right from the start so that I know what I'm dealing with and where to put and not to put my energy. With this said, now with this out of the way, we can now go back to, let's drill down a little bit further. Let's go back to the objective ones, the sincere ones really looking for the truth. We'll go back to materialism to try to understand what are the big ideas, what are the big pillars, the foundations of materialism, what are the big claims. We go through them.